Stop talking about things. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Don't talk about things with a cop. I put away my big foam finger and I'm like, let's go fangs. I just like kind of tuck it underneath it's the table. about fangs. <laughs> Welcome to the Kindred Spirit Podcast, a show all about the board game Spirit Island. Here we'll talk about analytics and strategies within the game, as well as a plethora of other topics that can be found within it. Today we wrap up this little Jagged Earth miniseries about our first games with all the new characters. So that means Trickster and... Uh, memory. I was memory. Speaking the rock. Good memory. That's uh, what it I is. lost my memory on it. Uh, are we cutting this? <laughs> okay. Alrighty, for those of you who care about behind-the-scenes stuff, we actually just filmed our intro. And so, to those of you who follow us on Facebook, what you just heard probably sounds familiar because it's something you heard many, many weeks ago. So, that's like a little fun thing. If you want to go see what this looked like, go check the Facebook. And if you guys already did, then this all sounds familiar. So, it's a fun little thing. That is Easter egg almost. Yeah, Easter egg. There you go. It's kind of cool whenever you think about these shows and movies that have behind-the-scenes stuff. Like Parks and Rec has a really good... Behind the scenes stuff. Maybe it's the deleted scenes I've really watched that are funny. It was kind of funny because when I was on set just a few months ago, there was this one guy with a camcorder. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just doing behind the scenes stuff. I'm like, oh, hey, sweet. (laughs) So like, that was the guy. That was the dude. So it's kind of cool. You're recording while people are recording stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like that out of box, third person kind of approach to the whole thing. Anyway, last we left off, we had finished up on Volcano, Stone, and Finder. So today we are wrapping up the last two of the new 12 with Trickster and Memory. That's why it's stone on the mind, because we were just talking about stone. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's true. Drop stone. Dude, have you ever done a thing where maybe you're listening to something on the radio while you're typing something or writing something? Oh, yes. And you'll say something and then you'll accidentally write it. Type like, it out? Type it out. You're like, oh, wait, wait, no, 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 I gotta go back and like change your notes or something. I'm very good at saying what I think I'm saying, but someone's like, what do you mean? Like, you say a completely different word? It's true. It's I so do that all weird. the time. It's a weird feeling. It's hard to type a thing, write a thing, speak a thing, or think a thing Hmm. all separately. Like, if I try to do any two of those, or any three of those, I'll start to blend them all. So that I'm writing what I'm saying. Or I'm thinking what I'm writing. When I'm like, wait, no, I'm supposed to keep each of these rails separate. You know, we should probably start talking about Yeah, luckily we're only talking, (laughs) not typing, about these spirits. Right on. One thing that I said, though, earlier on last episode, was that Trickster and Memory, in regards to you and me, have a unique unique similarity and I teased people being like hey what do you think this similarity is and do you remember what the similarity is nope (laughs) (laughs) we each said that both trickster and memory trickster for you memory for me are probably going to be our casual fun character to rely on you said that trickster would be your you know what this game isn't too hard this is a casual game I'm just gonna relax Mm -hmm. kick my feet up Ah, I'm just gonna have a fun game with trickster no stress there you go and that's the exact same thing I said about memory like in our texting conversation so these are what are probably going to be our casual characters these are going to be the characters that we frequent in casual games 
Alrighty, Trickster. This was arguably the character who I was the most wrong about. Oh. I thought it'd be a lot more random and a lot more spontaneous, a lot more difficult to predict. And to be fair, there are a lot of things that are like that. But one thing I wasn't considering was the fact that Strife is a unique form of defense. Mm. And it's a defense in the fact that you're targeting one individual dude at a time and strifing them so they do no damage. So it is kind of a defense spirit, but not like with defend cards or in the normal way that you would think about defense. Mm -hmm. But in the fact that you're preventing damage from individual sources, then you could be stopping a lot of damage. And what's cool though is unlike most defend cards, and we've spoken about this in the past before, is strifing people gets around bonus damage. Mm -hmm. So if you have an adversary or a scenario that's increasing the damage that a bad guy is doing to you, you can negate all of it. Yeah. Because it's not defending the damage that's coming in. You're just changing that value to zero, which is really cool. So I think that that's something that I need to kind of remember for myself for specific adversaries because that might carry this character into some higher rounds and higher difficulty stuff for my own like mental things. So interestingly enough, Trickster is our only pick two growth option guy in Jagged Earth, which I thought was kind of interesting, but whatever. I was telling you, the pick two growth option, Mm -hmm. it's almost misleading where like I think I can do more, but it's basically instead of like a double growth, I can just grow once and then pick a power card. I think I'm like doing so many things like, oh, when I grow, it's weird. And then I gain energy. It's like, but most spirits can like grow and gain energy. I know. When you look at the growth options of a character that can only pick one at a time versus the growth options of someone who can pick two or three at a time, it's like, all right, look at the guy who has one growth option that he can pick at a time. Each option does like three things. Yeah. Put a presence, gain an energy, and get a power card or something like that. Like a bunch of things. And then you look at these guys. I can pick two. Sweet. (gasps) One is just add a presence. Another one, gain a power card. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, you think you can do more, but really it's like, it all evens out. Luckily though, it gives you that flexibility Mm -hmm. because you can kind of pick and choose which one. So it's still valuable. It's just kind of funny. Like you said, you feel as if it's going to be bigger of a limitless Yeah, opportunity. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you get a coupon for like something crazy cool at a grocery store and then you see the fine print. <laughs> Only applicable when here and here and here and here. <laughs> On this state oh. at this time, like. Oh. Okay, 50%. (laughs) Anyway, so Grinning Trickster stirs up trouble. When I played as Trickster, it was a three-player game with River and Lightning. Ooh, so it's a fun team. It is, because River is like controlly, Lightning is offense, and this character is kind of defense. I would say pretty Defensively minded. Mm -hmm. So even from the outset, we had like a pretty basic team structure that I thought was pretty solid. So one thing that was interesting for me was in our game, I really noticed how this character could be actually not so bad of a beast user. I know that we said that he's definitely, definitely not a primary beast user, but just a little bit. In our game, though, the second innate, which allows you to do so, I only use the Dahan fight one once. Okay. And I use the beast one all the time. <laughs> like all the time. Well, that damage. It's two really damage, nice. Right? Yeah, two damage. It's not bad. One thing that was funny, though, was that I kept spawning beasts with unexpected tigers as often as I could because the card itself gives you a fear, which is nice. You get one fear if invaders are present, but you can gather a beast and then you can push in explore if you do so. Otherwise, you add a beast if the aforementioned yeah. thing is impossible. But you're always getting fear if invaders are present and then you can add beast with the card. So I was getting fear, I was adding beast. I was like, hey, I got beasts all over the place. Let's start doing damage with them. So I was able to actually do two damage here, two damage there, two damage here, which is actually quite nice. So with a character that is kind of all over the place as far as random stuff, it was nice to have that as a solid damage 
stealing thing. Every time we bring it up, I just want to talk about the art. It just... <laughs> It's, it's kind of like, go down to the cellar and get some milk. And you just like, open up the, the floorboard. Yeah, the yeah. door. And you're like, whoa, there's tigers down here. <laughs> Do we have any parsley Surprise! downstairs? <laughs> Sheer con just yeah. waiting for the barrios to go to the pantry. Well, we <laughs> might have steak. <laughs> I'm the steak. <laughs> Whatever. But no, I love that one, too. It's just like, oh, God! <laughs> it's like the last thing you want to see. It's a perfect blend of specific comedy. Yes. Like, it's funny how when things are said quick and specific, how comedy lends itself to be very nurtured in that kind of verbiage. I don't know why, but like, unexpected tigers. What? What the? <laughs> because it's completely out of left field. And comedy is a very multi-layered thing, and there's a lot to comedy that makes it funny. Mm-hmm. And when something is out of left field and it's specific, like super specific. That's my favorite kind of comedy. Right. Is when I don't see it coming at all. Right. Completely out of left field, yeah. and it's specific about one thing. It's like, what the? What did that have to do with anything? Like, tigers in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> like, for instance, I was just playing Borderlands today, and the narrator said, for no reason, the characters thought about whales and how cool they were. My character's like, whales are awesome! I want to get a whale further on in life. Anyway, and they moved on. <laughs> like, what? It's just the <laughs> randomness. absolutely yeah. nothing to do with the current situation. But anyway, Unexpected Tigers is very much like that. That's a funny card. So, going along with Grinning Trickster, easily, 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 my favorite combo that this character can pull off is the impersonate authority Ooh. incite the mob combo. <gasps> oh my word, it is so great. So, impersonate authority says, add a strife. That's it. You pick a target, you strife them. Incite the Mob says, One invader that is strifed deals damage to other invaders. Then, one fear per invader this power destroys. That's crazy. So, I would always use the first one to add a strife. I would put that on a city. Nice. Strife a city. Then, incite the Mob, one invader that is strifed deals damage to other invaders. Well, we all know that cities do three damage, so I would always pick a city that also had a town and an explorer in its land Mm -hmm. because then the city's three damage would kill both the town and the explorer generating three fear. That's crazy. Which is so crazy. It's like you confuse a guy and then the confused enemy attacks his friends Mm -hmm. and you get three fear from it which is dope because you get one fear from the town dying and then two fear from this card because it says one fear per invader this card destroys. All from one energy. And then the city is strifed afterwards. So you're like, all right, I can leave you on the shelf for now. Like, I can move on to another thing. Would you say that's defense then? Like, that is a form of defense. I'd say so. Through that offense. I'd say so. It's like a little bit of both. Yeah. It was so perfect whenever there was a land that had just one explorer, one town, and one city. Like, one of each. Mm-hmm. Because then you confuse the city. He does no damage the next time he attacks. Then he himself gets rid of the town and the explorer for you. You generate fear for it. And this guy's like, what have I done? Because he's all confused. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Like like the Tweety Birds, like <laughs> yeah. swirling around his head, like Warner Brothers style. But oh my word! And both of these cards, Impersonate Authority and Incite the Mob, are slow, and they have range one. What this means is they're the same speed and they have the same range, so it's very easy to remember. If you can perform one card on a spot, then you can do the other card with mm. the exact same spot mm-hmm. because it has the same requirements. So if you can do one somewhere, you can do the other one at that same spot, which is just really nice. That comes up a lot too, because some places start with a city or a town, and then an explorer comes where you're gonna. 
have one town, one city, one explorer. Mm-hmm. I find that happening a lot in the game. Yeah, I do too. Especially and... in early to mid game when mm-hmm. things aren't out of control yet. Oh yeah. So that I... situation, like that combo can be pulled off right. pretty early, pretty quickly. I quickly discovered that let's see what happens and over-enthusiastic arson are iffy and risky cards. Oh no! Obviously <laughs> these are the ones that are the most risky. You don't need to play a game to figure that out. You can come to that conclusion just by looking at them. So over-enthusiastic arson says destroy a town. This card is one energy and it's fast. You can just blow up a town, which is really nice. And this is something that Lightning would like to have because he's just like, that cheap? I'd like that too. I was going to say, is that the cheapest card to destroy a town? Because um, Lightning is two. I think... Shatter uh, Homestead, you mean? Yeah, Shatter yeah. Homestead, that's two energy. And then the Wildfire one is also two energy, I believe. I believe it is. So that's cheap. It is really cheap. comes at a Asphyxiating smoke for wildfire. Yep. Yes. But regardless of what the truth actually is, because I'd have to check to see... Fact check me. Editing Ryan. Fact check me. (laughs) Editing Ryan here. There are four cards in the game currently that for the same amount of energy as overenthusiastic arson can also blow up a town with the specific wording of destroy a town. Those being steam vents, drought, Prowling Panthers, and Scour the Land. Each of those have the capability to destroy a town. Of course, there are others as well that are cheap, in this instance, that are one energy or less, that could also perhaps destroy a town, but they can do it simply in the form of doing enough damage to kill a town. But that's not the exact same as destroying a town with the verbiage, destroy a town. So, there you go. Back to you guys. Either way, however you slice it, this card is very cheap and awesome as far as its speed. Quick and fast and cheap, for what it does, destroying mm. a town, which yes. is really nice. However, Ooh. after you do so, you have to discard the top minor power from the deck, and if it has a fire element on it, you gain one fear, two bonus damage, but you blight the land. <laughs> so what this means is when you use this card, it could be at like a level one or a level two. The level two does more damage and fear, but it also hurts you. But you don't know which one you're getting. So there's a 50-50 chance that this card will do two damage of fear, destroy a town, or a 50% chance that it just destroys the town. The former also adds a blight, do which you, is not cool. I want to ask, when you played Trickster, did you blight the land? Only once. Okay. I used this card, I think, three times, okay. and we got lucky twice. Nice. So this is one of those cards where it's like, all right, guys, I'm going to blow up this town because I really need to get rid of this town. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> and so, alrighty, I'm not a risky person as far as, <laughs> I don't really gamble a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So I can see the allure if you are someone who likes to gamble, but at least it's nothing that you can foresee like you have no idea if it's going to be a fire element on the next card so it was kind of fun to be like all right let's go ahead and see if we're going to blight this land i just simply don't prefer definitely makes you hold your breath it does well like blight can be such a risky business especially on low player count games Uh because blight isn't something i want to be throwing out there so what i did is i never used this card on a land that already had blight okay you can play this card however you want to but i never played this card on a land that had a blight on it because I did not want to cascade. That was the last thing I wanted to do. Adding one blight is bad enough in my book. Mm. I don't want to add two. That's too risky for you. Right, right. Ironically, that's exactly what I did not do for Let's See What Happens. Oh. Let's See What Happens is a power that you discard a random card from the 
minor power deck mm-hmm. and you just do it. One thing that's cool though is that you get to do all of its things. It has to be a land targeting card, of course. It can't be a card that targets another spirit. It has to target a land. And you pick a land and, all right, let's just see what happens. Right. It could be a fear card. It could be a damage card. It could be a movement card. It could be a fear card. Literally anything. So people have been asking, and I have even seen this on BGG and Reddit, like, what is the best way to use this card? I think we all understand that that specific question is kind of silly because you're asking, how do I get some definitive strategies, even if it's like an implication, on something that's completely random? You are staring at the face of random trying to make it work to maximize your statistics. I think we all understand, though, like with that question, it's all a gamble. There's no definite answer, but there's probability on things. Right. There are probabilities on things. So, you know what? One thing I want to do is I kind of want to get into like the nitty gritty stats. Like, I might just take a day and just look at numbers. How many defense cards are in the game? Mm. How many attacking cards are in the game? How many of them are minors? How many of them are majors? And so if I did that, maybe, maybe I could go and weigh the statistics with those stats in my head. But basically, there's two ways that I used my decision making on this card. There are two pillars that my strategy with this power rested upon. Okay. First one was I would always use my other cards in my hand to get all the lands covered and dealt with that I need to. All the lands that I need to take care of, I used other powers for. I'd never if something's used, about to ravage right, or stopping right. a build or something. I never used, let's see what happens, on a land where it was a critical, important land. Mm-hmm. I only ever used, let's see what happens, on one of those border territories. One of those far out ones. One way over here, one way over there. Eh. Okay, whatever. I'm focusing on these territories. Mm -hmm. I'm not really looking at those lands over there. Makes sense. But I have a power still left over. Let's just see what happens. So first pillar that I did was I always use this power on a land that wasn't super important. Furthermore, I decided that it would be the best to use this card on a land that had invaders on it that also had blight on it. I know that could be a risky venture, but sometimes if my land was in there maybe maybe not you know i know that this card allows you to ignore range one of the things that i didn't have for my second strategy with this power is i didn't usually prioritize a land that i was in as far as like range requirements because this power gets around range requirements which is cool not required yeah so what i always did was i was always picking lands that preferably were blighted Mm -hmm. and preferably had invaders in it so if they did fear cool if they're movement maybe i can get some tahan in there maybe i can push some other bad guys around If it's damage, I can hit the bad guys. If it's a blight removal card, pow, I can remove the blight. Yes, I know that there are blight adding miners in the game. Few and far between. But I think they are few and far between. I didn't think that was really all that bad. So... And another thing you can do, which is not cheating, is look through the discards. And if there's like a lot of the blight ones, Mm -hmm. what's the embers? Haunts the embers or something? Oh, land of haunts and embers. Yeah, that one and a couple of the other ones. Drought. If those are already discarded, you're like, oh, well, higher chance of not blighting. Furthermore, cleaning up messes is a drag is a special that this character has that says that after one of your powers removes a blight, you have to destroy one of your presents. However, if you remove a blight as a result of the let's see what happens power, ignore this one. Mm. Which is awesome. That's another reason why I was targeting blighted lands because if I do remove a blight from that land, it doesn't hurt me. And usually it would. 
So that's what I did when it came to let's see what happens. I always used it on a non-important land off to the side, and I always, generally, when I could, was targeting lands that had invaders in it and had blight in it as well. Sometimes I wasn't always possible, but mm -hmm. usually that's what I was doing. Ironically, I chose overenthusiastic arson about mid-game, and I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually get rid of a card. <laughs> and bye. <laughs> but what was cool, though, like I said, it was just one of those cards I was like, I'm just not a fan. Because obviously to forget a card, I was grabbing a major. And so I was like, I'm just going to find some other damage dealing sure. card. And with majors, I can probably find one that does two damage, destroy a town and a fear, or something similar to that mm -hmm. that doesn't add a blight. So I felt as if it wasn't so bad. I did forget overenthusiastic arson about mid-game. That's fine. One thing that was great, though, was one card that I grabbed was Sap the Strength of Multitude. Which was great because it's range zero, but Trickster can move presence. So it's actually not that bad no. to have a range zero defend card. And obviously, if you have one air element, it gets plus one range, which is actually really nice because Trickster already has a plethora of cards mm -hmm. that already give him air. To be specific, three of his starting cards give him air. So the reason why that's cool is because... And one on the track. It does, yeah. On and the track. on his top energy track, he has an element spot on his track track where he can just simply go and pick any element that he wants. Those are my so, favorite whenever I've seen any. Oh, I love it. It's so great. It's so flexible, but that's something that's kind of rare, actually. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but yeah, Sap to Strength the Multitudes, Defend 5, which is great, and for this character I really liked having access to a Defend card. I felt as if I could with Strife consistently negate at least one incoming bad guy attack, yeah. and it's always good just to have a free card like this one, because it's free, by the way. Sap to Strength the Multitudes is zero energy, which which is always nice. A free card that's fast that gives defense five. Right, defend, it's defend five. five. The only struggle with this card usually is the fact that, like I said, it's range zero. But that's not so bad because Trickster has a growth option that lets you move. And since you can pick two growth options, that's one that you can do pretty reliably. So I liked grabbing that one. It was a wonderful get for me. For I sure. Think. So it was kind of funny. Dahan and Beast did the majority of my damage for my Trickster game. Oh, yeah. Which is fine because I'm negating damage with the... Strike. With Strife, thank you. And so if they're not doing any damage in their attacks, to mm -hmm. hunt right there to be like, pow, pow, and just do my damage for me. So it was very akin to the Sword and Shield build with Earth, you oh, know, yeah. stopping incoming damage, but letting Dahan counterattack. I already talked about how I used beasts to go and do my damage for me because of my second innate power entitled Why Don't You and Them Fight? <laughs> Which was great. Love the titles. Oh, it's hilarious. I love the comedic nature that these have. One thing that I really love, though, about this character is Strife is the easiest token to add. Mm -hmm. out of all the four tokens. And so it was so nice to just be spitting them as often as I could because Flare for Discord says whenever one of your powers adds Strife in a land, you may pay an energy to add another Strife within range one of that land. Oh my goodness. As far as token users, this was so great. Oh, this is so awesome. Again, there's one. I can pay another strife one. Strife is always useful. Oh my goodness. Just throwing it out there whenever you can. Because you know it's going to get used It's up. addicting, frankly, because yeah. you think about one guy and it says after one of your powers does it, you can do it. It doesn't say, oh, once per turn, you can do this. So if you have a power that adds a strife and then you have another power that adds a strife, you can just keep shuttle passing strife out there. That's what I did. And there's a lot of miners that add strife. Right. Impersonate authority adds a strife and why don't you and them fight adds a strife. So there's two powers right
right there, one from your hand, one from your innate, that adds strife. So mm -hmm. if you have two energy, you can just go pink, pink for each one, one each, to add a third and a fourth strife this turn. And you can just be throwing strife out there. As far as people that use tokens and can use them to great effect, that was just really, really fun. It was really intoxicating, and it was something that I wish, like, all the other token users had. Because I'm like, man, I love the ease of getting tokens out there. Mm. We once complained about Vengeance not being able to get disease out there. It was kind of funny. We were having a conversation about how cool Lure was, and we were talking about how he uses all the tokens. But it's weird, because Lure only has one card that adds a disease token. And I was like, that's okay. So does Vengeance. No. <laughs> I guess they're the same. <laughs> oh, well. So at the end of the game, I actually grabbed Infestation of Venomous Spiders. That's the one. I, I love that card. Yeah. That actually won us the game in ours. And that's a major. It's creepy, too. It, it is a major. It's creepy. That's the one that replaced Overenthusiastic Arson okay. for me. And that and I was works like, perfectly because that adds a beast token, doesn't it? I believe so. That skips invader action or something? It or? does. I can't quite remember everything it does, but it has a lot going on on that mm -hmm. card. You can move beasts. You can add beasts. You can skip invader actions you can cause fear to it's mention fear, that yet. yeah you can do damage with it so there's a lot of things you can do yo editing ryan help us out i got you fam infestation of venomous spiders it is a fast power that requires four energy it gives you four elements air earth plant and animal it can be up to range two and it comes from a sacred site your target land needs to have invaders in it it says add one beast then gather up to one beast for each beast you have, generate one fear to a maximum of four, and invaders skip one action in target land. If you have two air, two earth, and three animal elements, after this power causes invaders to skip an action, deal four damage. Alrighty, there you go. Back to you guys. Seeing how I was already a somewhat beast-using, beast-moving character, it actually was really nice for me to kind of take advantage of my beasts and get more damage because of them. Yeah. So for our game, it was ironically, coincidentally, the card that finished the game for us, killed Ooh, our last city. So nice. I'm like, Ugh. That's like really creepy to think about, all these venomous spiders coming in and destroying a city. Like, it's like I don't a know. new Mandalorian episode. Ooh, oh, oh, spoilers. Oh, uh, sorry. Oh, dude, I was like throwing up the whole time. That was dude. so gross. Bonafide Arachnid. Technophobe here. It, I hated that. Like, yeah. It was like alien. It was terrifying, but it was a good episode. It was. It was like a bunch of head crabs all over the place. Yeah. From Half-Life, or if you prefer Ridley Scott's Alien series, is a bunch of face huggers just oh, all go. over the place. Just, ugh, ugh. <laughs> anyway, great card. That's the one that replaced over Enthusiastic Arson. So there was my experience with Trickster. Definitely someone who is funny. Since I forgot that card, I was starting to limit his random stuff. I built him more towards a defender. Orion build. <laughs> It's like you've tamed Trickster. I tamed him, that's you know, right. It was out of the wild. But he was surprisingly fun. And I enjoyed the comedy, and I enjoyed being able to easily put Strife out there. It was a lot of fun, so. Nice. How was your time with Trickster? Trickster, utter blast with. It's becoming one of my favorites from Jagged Earth. We all know how much I like some of the other spirits, but Trickster, again, surprised me as well because it was lower on my list, too. I don't yeah. think it was two. It was like nine or... Mine was dead last. Yeah. <laughs> Mine wasn't very high either. With the exception of the print-to-play peeps. And yeah. I think we both were, I don't know, worried about the randomness or just yeah. cautious of it at mm -hmm. least. But what I've seen and what you've talked about is I think Trickster might be one of the best early mid-game spirits. I think so. So, yeah. I'm, uh, because who can come out of the gate and negate the lethality of their starting city? This guy can. Yeah. Finder can also do that because you can keep moving him around. Finder's finder. <laughs> finder's finder. Yeah. But Trickster's not even just one city. It can be if they're 
there's a city next to it or right. another town or right. whatever. Who knows what the adversaries. Mm-hmm. Just out of the gate, powerful in negating your rights. Yeah. What is nice about that is it allows other slow spirits to kind of grow and come into form. Maybe pair Trixer with Earth or someone who also is slow and can defend and just let Earth really come into form. Gather up all those energy where you can get up to, what, eight energy, ten. Something like that. It's crazy with Earth. So, I don't know. I like that about Trickster. I saw some people complaining about the fact that the strife adding actions that Trickster has are slow. And on one hand, I agree. One hand, I disagree. Okay. On one hand, I agree because it's really nice when there's a bad guy that's about to hurt you. You can be like, ah, quick! You know, and just throw a strife on there and get him defended Mm. adequately. On the other hand, though, if all of your strife adding things were fast, there'd be a lot of new people showing up in the build phase that you couldn't be able to strife because unlike Wilds, Disease, and Badlands, a strife token goes to a specific dude, not the land. Yeah. So what if there's only one explorer in a spot? Well, if I'm going to strife someone, I can only strife the explorer. If it was fast only, then, well, there you go. <laughs> strife the Explorer, and now the town that shows up whoop de do you Strife the Explorer, right, right? comes in, and that guy's gonna blight. If it's slow, however, that means that it comes after they build, which means there's no target you're wasting this on. Simply put, if it's a slow power, this usually means that you can get it on buildings more often you can get it on a target you actually want it to go on in advance mm-hmm. than if it was fast only. So I just wanted to remind people the value of it being slow because unlike the other tokens, it's not like, eh, I'm just going to throw it over there and someday it'll get useful. With Strife, you got to be a little bit more specific with where Correct. you're putting it. So if it's on the slow phase, you still want to be a turn ahead. I'm not completely negating the value of maybe someone making you fast like Fractured or Lightning so you can quickly get a spot in and, hey, that happened to me in my game. We were playing with lightning on ours, and that was very helpful for us. Every now and then, he gave me lightning's boon, and I was able to quickly get a strife onto a guy. But what I'm saying is, since it is slow... Well, it can be made slow for why don't you and them fight. Right. And I think that's to the point of what you're saying. Right. I think it's important to have it be slow sometimes because they're about to build a city. They're Mm -hmm. about to build a town. And of those people currently there, you're going to want to strife that bigger target. Yeah. So... Who's doing more damage. I really got nerdy with our game. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Okay, so... So I thought about which boards I would use for Trickster. So here's what I came up with. I would prefer, if you're ever playing Trickster at home, A, B, E, or F. Hmm. Here's the reasons why. A has two mountains that are adjacent to each other, touching. B has two wetlands adjacent. E has two mountains also adjacent. Or F has two jungles adjacent. I'm noticing a theme here. John, why is this matter? <laughs> <laughs> so Trickster's special rule is you brought up a real flare for Discord. It allows you to add a strife. And when you do that, you can put it to an adjacent land. So my thought was... Oh, if they're going to be attacking If they're attacking the, the wetlands yeah. and I strife one wetland and if there's adjacent to another wetland, boom, mm-hmm. I can strife it. I know this is game breaking earth shattering super cheese you know this is actually something I feel as if is an overlooked aspect of the game which is a strategy of picking your starting board I kind of want to get into and I've thought about this okay tips and tricks on who likes to go on what board who doesn't like to go on this board? Who benefits from this one? Who doesn't benefit from this one? Things that come to mind What are... do we do all the time right. when, when we're about to play? You asked me, John, what board do you want to play on for this spirit? And the reason why is because this thought has been coming up in my head more often and more often. Like on F board, land number eight. It's the most inland land on that board. Mm. It is range two from every single land on that board. Not the craziest thing you've heard, but that may be really important to know. Yeah. If you 
have a character that has range two stuff, on that board, regardless of where you are, if you have a presence on land number eight, that sand, which is all the way in, you are range two from every single land, which is really important. On other lands, for instance, on e-board, land number five, that central mountain, is adjacent to every single coastal land. Mm. So, Lure likes that one. Wow. Because you can grab people from each of those lands. So, I kind of want to do a deep dive someday on this. That would be fun. Right, and D-board is really good for coastal land users because D-board has the northern wetland goes all the way across the top. Perfect for ocean. Yep, ocean likes that one, river likes that one. I know some people don't like D-board because it's the only board in the entire game that has two of the same kind of land on the coast. It has two coastal wetlands. It is the only board in the game that has the same kind of land twice on the three coastal wetlands. It can just get swingy for me. Yep, and it's like I said, these are the considerations. So you're talking about having certain boards that are good for Trickster because of this adjacency thing. Yeah. I think that is a definitive thing that you can point to that's actually a good strategy. I wonder if we can do that when we're talking each spirit and we go over the analysis yeah. of just like top boards. Because yeah. what you were saying about F board, yeah. highest number sand, that's where lightning starts. And right. Shattered Homestead is range two. Yeah, it is. So for lightning, that is perfect where you can get to every single land right. just from Shattered Homestead. You have access. So that's kind of cool. That that's is a cool. thing to consider. Back to Trickster. Back to Trickster. <laughs> But yeah, I like to do the same thing. That's probably why we're friends or we get into this game so much. We think the same things. Like, I'm thinking through my board. I'm going to take you all on a little journey. Let's go. I told Ryan, I'm like, I'm going to talk a long time about Trickster. That's fine. <laughs> little background on me. When it comes to, like, gaming, I am a completionist. I don't know if oh, same. you like to do same. this. I do every quest and every RPG yes! and collectible yes! and stuff. Like, it... when I see on a mission, I collected 13 out of 14 collectibles. <laughs> Restart the match. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't. There's I must like, get all 14. Hidden <laughs> audio files or side missions right. or achievements. You're like, must must get it all. <laughs> Regardless of how insignificant of a thing it is, I have to see it. Okay, so why am I talking about this? <laughs> There's so many tangents. Over the summer, Spirit Island came out on Steam officially. Because mm -hmm. we were playing it a little bit beforehand, like the early access. Right, because the early access peeps, we had access to it when it was in its alpha stages. On and the beta ground stages. room floor. I know. <laughs> you told me about that. That was so yep. cool. Yep. So I obviously have played it and continue to play it as it's been officially released. And when it was officially released, there were achievements that come out with yeah. it. One of them was defeating the adversaries at level six. So I was just like... Okay. Alright. <laughs> Cracker knuckles. Let's, Let's bring go. on the pain. Right. So that's what I did the old summer. <laughs> 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 we're going on vacation to the beach bringing the laptop dude that's hilarious <laughs> it's true it was though. covid right we I weren't allowed to go out anywhere dude, we were either at the beach you... or at the hotel <laughs> you've sent me so many pictures over this past year screenshots of a game you had here screenshots of you had a game against there i'm like dude you play it all the time I'm like oh yeah working at home it's great every now and then when i have a break at that's work true. i'll just go ahead and do a few turns and do you're waiting for reports to run or right yeah and especially yeah like over the summer if you're printing something off of the print turn you have like five minutes quick turns into 45 <laughs> well what am i supposed to do with earth in this land <laughs> 
But no, it's something that you can alt-tab to and just oh, kind of work on. Because you have a desk job with a computer in mm -hmm. front of you, so this is something you can do. I can't. I'm more of a blue-collar kind of work, so I can't do this, but you do. And so this is something that you can kind of, like I said, just alt-tab. Beep, 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 it's beep, becoming beep. obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's a silver lining of the job that you have. Right. It just, yeah. An opportunity that you can take advantage of. A breather in the day. Mm -hmm. So I did it with Brandenburg, Prussia, Sweden, and England, because it only has the base adversary. Yeah. So yep. it's kind of like this addiction, like, well, I want to do it with everyone. Right, right. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> it's like, but there's more. There's, there's so much more. more. So like, it's like this checklist. <laughs> I did it with England. I did it with France. I did it with so-and-so, Brandenburg, all yeah. these people. So France, Laura and I were staring down the gun. And to those of you who listen and also follow the Reddit, I posted this to the Reddit. So this yeah. is a little query of just like, who would be your top four team to bring against the toughest version of France? Mm -hmm. Trickster kept coming up. I'm thinking yeah. like big boys, you know, right. Keeper. Keeper and Fangs is Fangs, usually up there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's like Trickster kept coming up. And I was so shocking. I just called this spirit an early mid-game. Mm -hmm. Nothing late game. Like, oh, why do we so think... So is Fangs. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking about Fangs. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as <time. laughs> I put away my big foam finger. And I'm like, Let's go Fangs! I just like kind of tuck it underneath it's the not table. about Fangs! <laughs> So Slave Rebellion is an event that has to come up yeah. with France. Yeah. And it involves, for stages one and two, on each board, you add a strife to a town. After finishing this event card, you draw another one. Mm -hmm. So it's good. You add strife, which, you know, like, oh, that makes sense. It ties mm -hmm. in. But on stage three, on each board, destroy one town, add a strife to any two buildings. Then every invader takes one damage per strife it has. Oh, perfect. So it's like this add strife. And if you have a strife user, user. it gets oh, yeah. silly. Yep. You can get a lot of extra damage out there and you have to plan it you have to put it as like the fourth event to come up so you can kind of plan ahead and be like oh we're two away I can, like, I can reclaim here or something and i, right. I need to get impersonate authority mm. so our team was river trickster stone and ocean and trickster did some heavy lifting really yeah it was okay ryan have you ever seen the disney cartoon atlantis the lost empire dude it's like my third favorite disney movie of all time all right, well the people don't know it's that it's on my shelf right <laughs> over there there's the poster when you walk in the people at home don't know this. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, I know. Mr. Thatch and his adventure. Yeah, that was like more of a question for the audience to, I, to yeah, understand. I, I anyway, Atlantis. The character Mole. Yes, <laughs> Mole. He's so hilarious. He keeps wanting to dig. They're like trying. <laughs> he loves his dirt. He's like, can I dig? Because <laughs> they're always like finding a tunnel or so, yeah. or like yep. they blow up the thing. <laughs> I wish Peter was here because he like knows some of it too. So Mole. Yeah. Mole just like <laughs> always asking to dig the entire yes, movie yes. and I feel oh. like that is what tricksters with over enthusiastic arson yeah England must never melt the glass get back mole I have soap I'm not afraid to use it <laughs> <laughs> he hisses at him. <laughs> if anyone has Disney Plus, it's on there. It's one of the funniest movies I've oh ever watched. Oh my goodness. It's hilarious. Late 90s, early 2000s Disney, in my opinion, was golden age Disney. Yes. I mean, and that one especially was forgotten. Right. Hercules, Treasure Planet, Atlantis. All movies that did worse than like Lion King. I know. Little well, Mermaid. Lion King was another one in that same era. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I think I'm just thinking of like the major ones. Yeah. That's a major one. Lion King's a major one. Because <laughs> Lost Planet. Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet. <laughs> Come on. 
John. Wait, isn't Lost Planet a video game? Ah, uh, I think it is actually. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. Lost yeah. Planet. Yep. Okay, is. Treasure Planet. That's a great one. Yep. And the f- Emperor's New Groove as well. Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Not right, right, right. to gush about Disney, but <clears throat> anyway, Spirit Island. Enthusiastic Arson. I feel like he's being like mole because you're working as a team. Yeah. And you're like, okay, we got that defended. We're pushing out that town. He's like, can I dig? Can I dig? And he's like, no, no, no stop, stop, stop. This overwhelming <laughs> desire to use this card, and other please, people are like, please, oh, uh, come on, dude. Maybe really? not. Okay, maybe now you can try it. Oh, <laughs> causing a mess everywhere. Like, there's like this one sand that it's gonna blight anyway because no yeah. one can defend it, no yeah. one can get to it or something. You're mm-hmm. like, fine, mm-hmm. go and dig. He's like, yes! yes! It's like burns it all to the ground. It's like, oh, you dig too much. <laughs> I can see the analogy. Yeah. That's how, I don't know. That was just for me. That's, That's how funny. Trickster's like, woohoo! And it's like, let's blow it up. Everyone else is like, fine, just do it. Just... He's like, yes, I can finally do the thing that I've been wanting to do all the time. Woo-hoo! I was trying to do the same thing. We play similarly, Trickster, I noticed. Yeah. Where it was like, either do it a far off land that has nothing to do with what's going yeah. on in the current states. Mm-hmm. Or there were sometimes like, we just couldn't plug all the holes in the ship type of thing. Right, yeah. Put all our fingers in the dike. Yeah, we yeah. were all going down and Laura's just like, yeah, sure, blow up that wetlands. Either you destroy <laughs> the town and we don't blight, or either way it's going to blight. That's another reason why I like targeting those non-important lands because that's the lands that people are going to care the least about. Hey, you want to do that risky card on one of those lands? Yeah, yeah, yeah fine, sure. go for it. Yeah. We blight it. <laughs> we blight every time we use it. It was rude. Did you really? Dude, I feel like there's so many flame elements. There's so much fire in the deck. You do find a lot of these fire cards because I remember when you were playing as Miss in the first time and you grabbed oh, a power rough. card. All, all right, all four of them had a fire but Dang it, I can't get my free energy. I showed it to you. Really? I was so upset. I'm like, no. I'm not saying that's impossible to happen, but that's a low chance. And you are a lucky camper, aren't you? <laughs> Yikes. Well, I agree with Inside the Mob just being so oh. incredible. It's the one fear per invader, I think. Oh, it's perfect. Is what boosts it to another yeah. level. You want to be targeting a city with yeah. Inside the Mob. 100%. Oh my goodness, yes. All right, so this is a callback to one of our earlier episodes. You had spoke on playing Earth and picking up no new power cards. Do you remember this? Yes, we were talking about doing a challenge yes, where you play challenge. as a character where you only have their starting hand. Did you almost do that with Earth, or what was the story? I accidentally did that one with okay. both Green and Earth okay. multiple times, where I just had my starting hand the whole time. That's crazy. And I never grabbed a new major. Wow. Ever. So, and I think it's really doable, and I think that you can do it like a purist and just never do any cards, no majors or minors, just straight up ignore gain new power cards. Whoa. I still think I can do it with green I would love to see that. I think you could because you play them exceptionally well. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, anyway, I think for Trickster, you can do the same type of challenge, but like the opposite. Okay, reason number one. It costs one energy to reclaim. It costs you. and Which is the second character to do that, by the way. Who's the other one? Sharp Fangs. Oh. Another similarity between these two. I know. (laughs) And their stats are pretty similar, too. Alright, so it costs one energy to reclaim, and you don't even get a card when you reclaim. No. So it's almost discouraging reclaim. But there is where you get your movement and obviously you get right you get your movement yep so that's reason number one is like to do this challenge don't reclaim because it costs you money or right. energy and reason two this is kind of like more thematic I thought it I can just see tricks are getting bored with using these old powers over and over again and wants to be spontaneous from let's see what yeah. happens and that's how they can gain energy with the second tier mm-hmm. of it I just think tricks are not having this pattern just being totally random it just adds to the thematic of him being I think so. chaotic being someone who is constantly delving into the decks and let's see what this happens let's see what that happens both with my innate and in like actual truth like, i already used unexpected tigers i want a new card right I, i'm 
bored with that it Tigers fits, thing. It fits the lore of that character somehow. That you go and are constantly trying new things, trying new things, trying new things. That didn't work. All right, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. You know, it doesn't really dwell on one spot. Because the way you get money from getting cards is the second tier of Let's See What Happens. You mm-hmm. may forget a power card to gain the just use power card to your hand. It doesn't go to your discard. And you gain one energy. Right. You're just cycling cards. You're just cycling cards, but you're gaining something new that maybe is super useful. One of them, I was playing Let's See What Happens, and Call to Migrate came up. Ah! Which is Gather yes. 3, Dahan, push three. Push 3 to Han, and has Fire Element, Air Element, and Animal Element. So it has all the elements mm-hmm. that Trickster uses, and it's like, okay, I'll gain this to my hand, and I'll gain an energy, and I'll use it all the time. And because, like you were saying, this is more of a sword and shield defensive type spirit. Mm-hmm. With that strife and defense, you need to Han. You can yeah. use them with your presence track. You can move only one. So mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, I kind of want to get two in there to take off the city or something. Right. So that was just perfect. I also think just picking up new random cards really goes into why don't you and them fight? Because you have so many different options to trigger those with all those elements. Yeah. So say you can either get air, sun, fire, or animal. Any of those can trigger something in that innate. Yeah. So obviously don't get plants if you can't. Or earth. But there's so many different options of like, oh, I can pick up this card to add it to my head from Let's See What Happens. And then I'll add it and make it useful for right. why there's don't you a lot of elements that are being used by this character. There's so many different like ways it's funneling in to use this power. Right. There's so many different options. So yep. it was just fun to use the spirits in all those different ways and to mm-hmm. go against tough France and to be like, I'm going to strife the ever-living daylights out of The more guys. random or inconsistent a character is, the more flexible they are as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But like his energy track, he can get any element that he wants that turn. I was going to ask that next. How did you upgrade Trickster? Because that's always fascinating to me. Like, did you go bottom track heavier, top track heavier, like half and half? Or did you focus on getting elements first? What I did is I quickly got to three card play. And then I blitzed the top. I did the exact same thing. Until it was done. And then I started going back to the card play. I did the exact same thing. (laughs) Because you only need three elements is the most. Right. I blitzed the three card plays. And then once you get any and fire and three every turn. Yeah. And then you can, with the last growth option, you get energy per card play. Right. That can get silly. Right. So, yeah, Trickster was a big, big, big surprise for me. Yep, just a big mixed jumbled bag of a lot of fun things. I think it would be the biggest... Preventative? Preventative against Sweden, because of the extra damage they do. Biggest counter to Sweden? Counter, there it is. Because Sweden's cities do five damage. What if Mm -hmm. you do incite the mob with a city? You can take out two towns. Yeah, because bonus damage invaders. You'd be like, hey, you have bonus damage? To quote the Krutok Shaper from Dawn of War, do you have strength? It will be good to have that strength. <laughs> and when he captures yeah. it, he uses it. And, you know, it would be so good against Sweden. That would be like, okay, say you have two towns mm-hmm. and an explorer. That's five health. Strife a city. Have them do the damage. Yeah. That's five fear. Two fear that's for a the lot time. of damage. From a one energy card. <laughs> no, seriously. That's what I meant by when I said this character could be surprisingly effective against certain adversaries. Yeah. So. Obviously, yeah. Other adversaries might make Trickster weaker, mm-hmm. but I see some possibilities here. So mm-hmm. this was a really fun spirit for me. Yep, very fun. This guy totally overtook Vengeance. Okay, <laughs> you, you know what think? I mean? Like, what I mean by that is, like, on my mental plane of thought. We just need to play this guy a little bit more to calibrate exactly how effective he is here and there and whatever. So, Trickster, very fun. Love Trickster. Yep. On to Shifting Memory. 
Shifting Memory. Oh boy! My first game with Shifting Memory was four months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so this came out, as some of you know, as a print and play. Yeah. And I remember we printed it out. Did Laura print some out for you as well? Because we have like this cardstock paper. While you're talking, I'm going to go look up the date as to when was the first time I played a Shifting Memory. Just for kicks and I'm trying to think, because mine was many eons ago. Many moons. Long, long time ago. So it's, it's so funny we were kind of joking before we started recording whenever you're trying to build a team you would never think of the utility characters you're like no all right you have 23 spirits to choose from and then memory's just like hey he's in the back hello <laughs> april 11th oof that's when i first played shifting memory well that was for our second wave i played shifting after that but we'll say it's been six months since i roughly played shifting I mean, it's memory. november right now yeah so. so i probably played shifting maybe around may sometime afterwards but seven yeah. months for me <laughs> All right, let me talk about memory. I'll be honest, fam. I don't remember the game at all. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're being honest. I don't remember the specific. I'll talk about the emotions. Okay. What I felt. There you go. What I think is great about memory is allowing others to be them best selves. Yeah. Being able to teach other people shuttle passing elements out there. And I have this written down. Like you said, Ryan, this spirit is a teacher. A giver. You called it that. Because sometimes the competitive in me wants to know the stats at the end of the game. Like, well, I gained more fear than you. Yep, yep. I blew up more towns. Yep. And it's just like, well, it's not about that. Right. Did we win or did we lose? Because obviously, as we've all talked about many times, it's a cooperative team game. And memory is not about that like flexing life. At least no. for me because I know there's different ways to play memory. The life of a supporter isn't one where it has a spotlight. Yeah. There's this cool quote that I heard when it comes to effectively playing as a support character in any game. It doesn't have to be a board game. It could be a video game perhaps. Yeah. Where it was, I don't need the spotlight. You can have the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Just understand that you got that spotlight because, because of me. Because of me. You got there because of me. That's all I need. That's the only thanks I need. I don't need to have all the glory. You can have it. I don't need all the attention. I need you, Mr. Person who's in the spotlight, to understand you got there because of me. Can you do that speech every time I play Overwatch <laughs> and again she means yelling at me <laughs> for me to mercy <laughs> to heal him? I'm like, dude, I've been healing you this entire game. I know, thank you. the first job. time you died. Yeah. <laughs> thankless job. It's a thankless job. Yep. But that's how memory is. I want to play memory again very soon. Yeah. For sure. Because mm-hmm. we had talked about, I don't think on the podcast, just like in texting, of early major strategy. Right. Of like, go for a major turn one and then nine yeah. energy the next turn and then mm-hmm. just play it. And right. I think that would be fun. I did not play memory that way. I didn't play memory as this like big baddie. It was right. more of, like you said, a giver, teacher, giving other people elements. I think memory would be perfect for major power users for like a keeper or an earth where you can give them the elements to trigger those thresholds. Yep. Because I want to try immense lightning and that's the one where it cuts back on lightning's card plays but it gives it more energy and you can kind of like get elements as well. Fun fact, just as a little side note, I heard from someone just the other day that immense was originally intended to be a aspect that could be applied to every character. I think I saw that as well. It was a general purpose aspect and it's just simply put the people that have the most card plays are going to be characters that can use it the best. So they just said, well... Because it's not really tied to lightning specifically. No, it's just kind of this effect neuters card play but makes your powers a lot better. That's not necessarily a lightning specific thing. 
thing. So I was like, huh, I thought that was interesting. I was like, it's very interesting. I did not know that. I think it could make the storm bigger or something. Something, I guess. More immense. I, I thought at first it was a fun way to completely change the character because lightning is fabled for his speed, right? Oh, yeah. That's why he has speed manipulation and he has the highest amount of card play. No one can naturally get up to six. Fracture days can get to seven, but only for a turn when he spikes the growth options in that very specific way. Right. No one can get to six card every single turn. But lightning can because lightning is the fastest. So I was like, oh, haha, look at this. They're taking the fastest guy and making him a slow guy. That's fun. <laughs> you know, like that's as far as I thought, but I didn't and know. And like was... a big minor power user of lightning. Right. Like you never want more than one or two energy. Right. Zeros is what I'm looking for in the minors when I'm playing mm. lightning. Such a greedy boy. Trickster is also another He's greedy, a greedy one. Fella. But yeah, memory, I kind of want to play like a major power themed team for sure. Mm. Like Earth, because Earth kind of struggles with card plays as well. So it's like, yeah, right. buddy, here's a couple extra right. elements to get that threshold or to trigger that amazing innate. Right. Ugh, Earth's innate. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it's one of the best in the game. Really? Maybe I think that because it's so hard for Earth to like fully trigger it. It's like it takes a curtain. long time to fully get that innate fully upgraded where you can repeat a card that's six or less. Yeah. A lot of people actually really dislike his innate, calling it one of the worst. Oh, and I think that's their wrong. their standpoint isn't the effect because repeating a card without having to pay for it again is amazing. It's that's incredible. Not, that's not what they're contesting. The argument is that it takes way too long to get to mm. and therefore it's inconsistent with how often you can do it. Okay. That's the angle, which now there's Might Earth, which can be able to do it a lot better. But I agree. Repeating cards has dangerous potential for oh, serious, yeah. serious power. And for memory to be able to help Earth along that track, mm-hmm. or even just like I'm talking with major thresholds, right. it would be incredible. So I think I truly undersold shifting memory when I first played. You know, you're playing yeah. a spirit once, and we've talked about this a bunch. Is like, oh, I see strategies in post. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, because you're kind of thinking about it later right. and stuff. And I don't know. The innates are a little underwhelming to me. Defending. The last tier for learn the invader's tactics when you can instead defend two per card in yeah. the invader. I think it's really cool. That's cool. I like, you're like the lore, tactics. yeah. Oh, like the, the lore. lore bound too. I think these two people we're talking about, their lures are incredible. Trickster yeah. and shifting. But uh, sorry, y'all. I don't remember my game <laughs> specifically or even who Laura played. I don't have a good memory on it. Tough crowd. <laughs> but no, like when I think of Team Major, I'm thinking Earth, Volcano, yeah. Stone, Keeper, Serpent. Almost every one of those characters are rock people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for Keeper. And can you, if you have shifting, like feeding them elements, yeah. that'd be a destructive be cool. team. That'd be a fun team. Because handing out mages is one thing, but those characters have to be able to afford it. You know, yeah. those characters need to be able to afford those major powers. Yeah, if you give it to a base lightning, he's like, thanks. Thanks. I'll like, never be able to use this. Right. Lightning does need cards, but he doesn't like getting <laughs> majors. Or at least like early on for the majority of the game anyway. Anyway, that is my shifting memory. I really want to get back into the spirits. I kind of want to see the big baddie version where I just go for a major real quick and see if I can draw briny mm-hmm. deep and just use a turn two or something nuts. That'd be kind of cool. Right. So, anyway, shifting memory. So shifting memory, I played this character on April 11th. That was the first time I played as it. I recently did another game with memory because I told you guys that because of the order I established during my hype list, that was the order that I would also go and play each of these guys. And so since I played Shifting Memory already, he was the character I would just play last. Mm. Doesn't mean I'm not going to play as that character. It's just the one I'm going to play last. So I did a solo game with Shifting Memory. What was that Very interesting. Yeah. It was on October 17th. So (laughs) April 11th to October 17th of this year. So just to show you the disparity. Yeah. Yeah, But it was 
wasn't too long ago. I mean, it's only November 10th yeah. now, so that wasn't long ago, not even a month ago. But it was a solo game, and I was really curious, how is this character going to go? How is this game really going to pan out? You mm -hmm. know, I was really curious. So I got a turn seven fear victory. Whoa. My fifth of all time. And you so, played a lot of games. Yeah. And so this was the very first game that now invalidates my earlier statement that I made a few episodes ago where I said that I've only ever attained a fear victory in a game where there was at least one fear character present. This will be the first time I got a fear victory while not playing a fear character. But don't worry, shifting memory kind of can be anything. Yeah. So it actually makes a lot of sense because if you get a power card that's really good with fear generating, then you are a fear spirit. <laughs> you know, I It's kind of like shifting's remembering that yeah. they used to be a fear spirit. Or like yep. the lore of it. Yep, you've just been through the cycle of activity and dormancy so, so many, many times. times. You're an ancient spirit. You've yeah. done this cycle so many times that in one of your lifetimes, you've done this strategy before. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Anyway, what I did was I went for majors right off the bat. Now, I think with shifting memory, there's two approaches. You can go for majors off the bat, but you can do it majors while doing your energy spiking action mm. or get majors while doing your presence upgrading path. Because like most rock characters, you can go and get a presence every single turn. And this character is no different. It's just you also have a fourth energy spiking growth option where you can just get nine energy. That's the highest. So do you want to go and grab a ton of energy and a major so you can do that major all the time? Or do you want to just grab nothing but presence and try to do kind of halvesies, do mm -hmm. half and half? Because if you do half and half, that means you can reach your ridiculous late game potential that this character has. More on that later. Anyway, all this to say, I did the latter. Okay. I did the one where it was do half and half. So what I did was on turn one, I grabbed Winds of Rust and Atrophy. Wonderful Ooh. card, only costs three. This is a card that is famous for downgrading people. It's the only way that you can downgrade people that I know of without having Lure or Shadows Flicker Like Flame on the team. So it's the one that just gives a fear, defend six, and downgrade a building, which is really, really nice. And I was able to use this card on turn two, wow. which was fantastic. It was really nice being able to just generate fear and downgrade bad guys right from the start. I love being able to downgrade stuff for the purposes of terror level things. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, we need to get rid of towns or cities, whatever. You can be like, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. And just like, I downgraded him and downgraded that guy and downgraded this city, which is really fun. So I was able to get that card really early and I was very glad that it was cheap. For a major three, isn't so bad. No. So it wasn't too bad as far as like energy cost. So I didn't feel bad that I wasn't doing Did my energy. Did you downgrade your starting city? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's insane. <laughs> so automatically, there's no city there. Right. It was really nice. Getting that card early was very nice. Wow. However, on turn three, I noticed that the bad guys were starting to pile up. And the facts <laughs> about shifting memory were becoming apparent. Okay. The flaws and strengths of the characters were beginning to show. You know, your starting hand doesn't really affect the board much. Only two of your cards target lands. And of your two innates, only one targets a land. Mm. So this means that out of your six powers, four cards and two innates, only three of them target a land. One of them does defense, one of them does fear, one does Dahan manipulation slash protection. This is not a lot of board interaction, guys. No. Three of them don't even do anything on a land. Technically, yes, I know that Observe the Ever-Changing World targets a land, but that one just gives you element markers. It doesn't do anything. So you only have three powers out of six that actually do something. Only one of them does defense, and the other one does fear, which is nice, yeah. but that doesn't do anything. Like when you want to act, when you want to kill, when you want to defend, when you want to move, when you want to block. Oh, fear card, great. Okay. You can look at the fear card. Yay! <laughs> and then the other one gives you 
Dahan protection and We like our Dahan. Yeah, it's true. But that protects the Dahan. That means blight's coming in, baby! <laughs> <laughs> because after two Dahan don't get killed the next time they would. That doesn't do anything about the land. And when you're playing solo with only two blight to work with. Right. <laughs> All this to say, this character's starting capabilities to affect the board are actually quite bad. Ugh. I'm not going to say they're marginal. It's bad. This is actually below average, I would say. Okay. Sure, your other cards are doing cool things, which is prepare element markers, give element markers to a friend, yeah. give other people powers. This is all cool. But as cool as that is, at the end of the day, you're not doing much. No. Which is why you need to go and grab those majors to really grab some cool effects. So on turn four, I went for another major. This is so weird hearing Ryan say this, y'all. I know. Because you never, you <laughs> I never, never do pull majors. At least this early. Sometimes you do. It's like two-thirds I in. I think this may be the reason why this character is like a casual spirit for me to play as for so fun different. Because it's so different. Yeah. You know? This is something I want to try because it's so different. But I say casual because when push comes to shove, this isn't something I've experienced with. So give me my high card play minor power specialist yeah. when crap hits the fan and we're playing for serious. But when we're not playing for serious, playing with new people, ah, I'll play this guy. Yeah. It's okay there. Anyway, so on turn four, I went for another major. And I found... Paralyzing Fright. Yes! Oh. <laughs> my. Gosh. Almost broken solo play. Oh <laughs> my word. And the threshold easy the for threshold. Oh, no. The threshold for Paralyzing Fright is so easily accessible for memory. It uses the elements he already uses. Wait, describe the card if people don't know it offhand. So it uses air and earth. And just like you said, it is so incredibly powerful for a solo game. Incredibly strong. It's a credible in card a solo just in general. So Paralyzing Fright gives you an air and an earth earth so that means that it's two air three earth threshold is actually more like one air two earth threshold which was pathetically easily for me to trigger with shifting memory but paralyzing fright says for fear invader skip all actions and target land this turn then if you hit the threshold it's eight fear instead so remind me again how much fear it takes <laughs> in a solo game to get a card <laughs> so the reason why it was so ridiculously powerful in a solo game is because in a solo game you only need four fear to gain a fear card. So, this means that you gain a fear card every single time you play this power. You gain two fear cards if you get the threshold Ugh. of this power. Ugh. So, if you play this card with its threshold once, you get two fear cards in a solo game. Oh my <laughs> word, I got it on turn four and I played it on turns five, six, and seven. What? Oh my gosh. So that's eight, 16, 24 fear because right there. Because you, you can reclaim <laughs> and keep growing while you're reclaiming. That's what that card alone that's six fear cards wow. <laughs> so anyway at one point i had four fear cards on deck all at one point each of them resolving at terror level three that's which incredible <laughs> So I had this really, really scary tightrope moment where I had already blighted once before earlier on in the match. Ugh. And so I was like, oh man. And the reason why I blighted was because I did share secrets of survival, which protects the Han, which was nice. So they counterattack and kill the bad guys that are attacking me, but that doesn't do anything about the blight. And when there's only two blight on the blight card, it's like really, really nerve wracking for me. Cause I'm like, oh man. This is why I won't play wildfire solo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> that might be really interesting. So in my solo series, I can't wait to see how that game's going to oh, go. I, I can't wait to see it either. So anyway, I was really nervous because there came a point when I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. 
I was looking at my cards. I was looking at my innates. I'm like, I can't stop all the attacks coming in this turn. I'm going to blight once. Okay, well, let me try this. Okay, well, let me try this. Let me try this. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I realized that I couldn't do anything to stop the next one coming in. I am gonna blight <sighs> as far as like what I with my own cards can do. So I was at the mercy of the four terror three cards that were coming in. I'm like, that's a I scary can't, place to be in. I can't know if it's gonna be okay. I don't know if I'm gonna make it like oh man that's scary so I was like well here we go and the fear cards clutched it Woo! and saved me Woo! from running away and, like, yes! and so it was like <gasps> what a relief because we've even talked about before how sometimes fear cards do nothing <laughs> <laughs> thankfully though they were each at terror three so that means that there's a higher chance that they're going to be effective because Terror 1 Fear Cards and Level 2 Fear Cards are better, but they're not as good as Terror 3 Cards. A Level 3 Fear Card is ones that have a lot of cheese. Do you have a favorite Fear Card? I don't know the name of it, but there's this one where the city like destroys towns and towns destroy... Scapegoats. It's amazing! Scapegoats. Especially if you oh get Terror Level 3 and, and then they like destroy explorers. And I think like... off the top of my head, there are three fear cards are like my favorite. The one where invaders attack themselves. The one where you just defend in all the lands. Oh yeah. I think it's demoralized. And then the one where beset by many troubles, I believe is what it's called, where you get a lot of defense based on tokens out there. For strife tokens, uh, for badlands yeah, tokens, I remember for bees, that one. for that one. I like that one because that one gives defense in the land it's in and adjacent to that. So you get defense ever. Sorry, that's a tangent. <laughs> anyway, these fear cards came and saved my life. It was so relieving awesome. and I was like... <gasps> And then the next turn, I just played Paralyzing Fright yet again, and I just got a fear victory. So I didn't even need to kill everyone. I just terrified them. So with this card and with other things, I was able to cause so much fear for That's a cool. solo game. Oh, it was fantastic. This was the fastest game of Spirit Island that I have ever played. Hmm. It came in to 40 minutes exactly. That is quick. Which is really quick. Within a span of 60 minutes, I had sat down, set it up, played it, <laughs> One and packed it up and walked away. Like within a span of 60 well, minutes. I had two more hours. Uh, yeah, etched out for this game. That's never happened for me. So at the end of the game, I actually ended up with three majors. And every single time I learned a new power card from my growth option, I grabbed a major. Every single time. I feel as if I really needed to because since your starting hand is not so great with affecting the board, right. you can go ahead and grab some majors without having to forget another one. And by the way, just to be clear, the official rule is when you would forget get a power card from your hand, you may instead discard it. So, what was cool is I would grab a new major and then discard one of my lame ones. Yeah. I'm going to choose one of my lame ones. I say lame. I mean one of the ones that doesn't help me right now. So, for instance, Boon of Ancient Memories. Yeah, if you target yourself, gain a minor power or you can let someone else gain a major power. In a solo game, this one's not really all that useful. It gives you plant, gives you water. I don't use that. So <laughs> I don't really need this one. So, I'm going to pick Boon of Ancient Memories to forget because I got a new major power. I need to forget a card. I'm going to forget this one. Oh, I get to discard it in Instead. Nice. So that one I was discarding all the time or elemental teachings. Luckily though, elemental teachings though is free, fast, and it gives you one of every element that you need. So that one's a little bit more important. But being able to just... It is fun to keep track of the elements. Like that yeah. whole story mechanism. It is cool. It's cool. It's, it I mean, cool. extremely unique, obviously. Right. I only ever grabbed one minor. And the reason why was because it was from A Boon of Ancient Memories. This is so weird. Which says, if you would use this power card on yourself, you can only gain a minor power. If mm. you target someone else, 
else, they can get either major or minor. But if you target yourself, it has to be a minor. That is the only minor that I got. So study the invader's fears, which is one of your starting cards, was actually really good for a solo game. Okay. I was able to use it for great effect because studying the invader's fears says in a land that you are in that also has buildings in it, to fear and you may reveal the top card of the fear deck. Mm. Which is really cool because in early game and in mid game, I was actually able to predict and strategize sure. in sync my play style, my gameplay with what the incoming fear card was going to be. I was able to coordinate yeah. my strategy. That's why I love nightmares. Which is with that. the incoming fear card. That yeah. was actually really useful. I was surprised at how useful that was because I'm like, okay, I can actually know what's coming and I was actually structuring my turn off of this incoming fear card that was nice. coming in, which I really liked. And two fear for one card in a solo game, that's halfway to a fear card. That sounds so silly, doesn't it? <laughs> two fear is halfway to a fear card. It's hilarious. Anyway, so here's one interesting thing that I'm beginning to learn with this character. This character wasn't a fun character to consider for casual play until this following statement occurred to me. And that was saving all of the elements that you can bank for yourself only was noticeably useful. Mm. The first time I played this character, I was asking other people, hey, what do you need? Hey, what do you need? Hey, what do you need? I need fire. I need plant. I need water. Cool. That's the one I would grab and I would give it to those characters. Give it to those characters. Give it to those characters. You were a great support in that game. I remember that game. This character, you can play kind of selfishly in the fact that you give all of those elements to yourself. And this character was not drastically, perhaps, but noticeably stronger in my memory bank from my first game to this game when I focused only on myself. This meant that I could trigger my own innates constantly, even with really bad card play. Hmm. This character gets one, gets two, two for a while. Then you can get a third if you get rid of elements, those banked elements, and then you can get another when you're fully upgraded. At fully upgrade, you can get to three, but you can go and buy yourself a fourth for the price of discarding two banked elements. So if you have a bunch of banked elements for yourself, you can go ahead and spend them for an extra card play. So which is more useful? Shuttle passing elements to a friend or spending them yourself for another card play, which is really useful when you consider the fact that you can get a lot of majors. Mm -hmm. So if another card play for you for more powerful majors, that could be really, really cool. That could be really useful, really valuable. So saving all of my elements for myself was really useful because it was great for the majors I pulled. I didn't have to worry about triggering this one. Even if that card had a elemental threshold that used elements I do not use, that's okay because I can go and bank those elements and use it on a later turn really easily. So one thing that is interesting that I said I would talk about later, now I will speak about it. And that is the spiking energy option. You can, if you want, upgrade every turn like most rock characters, or you can go and spike your energy. I did the former. The reason why I wanted to do the presence game because I'm all about that long-term benefit. In any game ever, short-term versus long-term, I pick long-term every single time. Yeah. So like characters that get kill skills in a game, a temporary thing that lasts for five seconds, I don't like those. I don't like those ones where you have to refresh your characters this and that. I know that you can sometimes get a higher tier of power and strength with characters that have those temporary bonuses because the caveat is you can be stronger than usual, but just for five seconds, just for 10 seconds. I like that steady Eddie, just get my base stats as high as they can be, even if that means that at maximum, I'm not going to be as good as that one kill skill character in his 10 second window of awesomeness. I still prefer that steady Eddie long-term thing. The reason why I did the former, by the way, another reason is because I really wanted to get that card play. What I did was I quickly 
quickly got to two card play because having one card play is abysmal. Oh, yeah. Regardless of the character, what I'm about to say is true for every single spirit in the game. If you have one card play, I blitz getting to two card play first immediately. And then I start thinking about where I want to go. So I'm always getting to two card play really quick. I despise having one card play. I hate it. It's true. It's not like, eh, I can work with it. And You hate it. I hate it. I feel so limited. I feel so, oh, I can't get my innate. I noticed you're playing Finder that way too. You're like, I needed the second one. Card parts. (laughs) Anyway, the reason why I did all the presence placing growth options was because I can increase increase my stats. So what I did was I quickly got to two card play and then I started going after that energy track one because then that lets me bank element markers Mm. pretty consistently. That gets me pretty good energy. One thing that's dope is your energy track is efficient. What I mean by that is it improves every time you upgrade it. You get one energy, then two, then three, then four, then reclaim one, then five, then six. It's always an improvement. It's always something new and that's really cool. That's one of the reasons why I quickly got to two card play and then I started going for energy because I'm coming in with new major power cards that are going to cost a lot of energy. I'm going to want that. So I did my third growth option a lot, which is add a presence one away and gain two energy. So with my increasing yield of energy income from my energy track, plus that two that I gained from my growth option, it was actually quite easy Mm. to do that half and half thing. Half gain energy and get presence out there. So I really think that this is a card draw dependent spirit, which means that it is slightly random and inconsistent, but it's very flexible. Because you said that for the second wave game, you didn't like the majors you pulled. Right. And this game sounds like, obviously, you pulled much better majors. I picked much better so majors. So, this does so rely on randomness. There are a few characters that come to mind that fit the description I just said. Starlight is another, Fractured Days is one, and Trickster is one. I think that Fractured and Trickster, it's the least bad for them. I think they have a lot more solid, consistent things. Mm-hmm. But I still think both of them would be card draw dependent spirits, because Trickster's literally doing that with his first and eights all the time. <laughs> Fractured can apply cheat codes to cards, but you need to find more cards to apply cheat codes too. Right. Starlight, I don't even have to explain why, but this character, the reason why is because you have a lot of power and a lot of energy gain, and you can trigger thresholds with elements that you don't even get naturally. You have all these capabilities, you just need to find a cool new major to do it with. Mm. So, this is a card draw dependent spirit, so that means it's very flexible. Look at this, I turned into a crazy fear character. Next time, I might find crazy cool defend cards. Crazy cool damage cards. But this game, it was fear. I turned into a fear spirit because of the cards I found. So it's not going to be super consistent in, as a whole, what you're doing. Those people you mentioned, now I want to do, like, team random. Team question mark? Team question mark. Just, like, Starlight, Shifting, Trickster, and then Fractured. Like, who knows what's going to happen? We don't know. Because the days that never were deck for Mm -hmm. Fractured, we don't know what's going to be there. Starlight, Mm -hmm. who the heck knows? Shifting doesn't know. And then Mm -hmm. let's see what happens. That'll be a fun, weird game. It'd be pretty cool. I think it'd be fun. Who's gonna I, defense? Uh, if you don't mind, I'll play as either Starlight or Memory for that game. Okay. I'd prefer those. You know, ones. I like my trickster. I know. That's true. It's true. No one wants to play Fractured. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Laura, get back here. I know how much fun you had with She's that. She's running away. Get me out of here. <laughs> She's listening to this right now. She just threw her phone down. <laughs> so, one last thing I wanted to talk about with Memory one quote of optimistic excitement with what this character can do, okay. what this character can be. This character 
has dangerous late game potential. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. No joke. Literally, at the moment, with the 24 spirits in the game, once fully upgraded, this is the second strongest character in the game. Serpent one? Only Serpent surpasses. Late game, you get, per turn, 15 energy, 4 card play, and reclaim 1. Oh, my word. Yes, wow. I understand that that 4th card play comes from discarding 2 element tokens, but when you're fully upgraded, you gain 2 element markers of your choice from your energy track. So if you want, you can just say, hey, those 2 wash out. You can cancel that yep. plus 2 element markers by canceling it by immediately spending it for your 4th card play. But 15 energy a turn, 4 card play, reclaim 1. Oh, Whoa. my gosh. Serpent surpasses that with 17 energy and 5 card play, reclaim 2. But that's Serpent. But that's Serpent. And this is a little bit less. 15 energy, not 17. 4 card play, not 5. Reclaim 1, not reclaim 2. But you can see how similar that is. You could play 4 majors. Oh my gosh. This character could go absolute ham late game. If you have green out there that's helping this character upgrade a bit faster, or you found unrelenting growth, this character can get crazy strong. Keeper is even in the dust. Oh yeah. Stone is in the dust. They're, They're a little bit behind, but there would be third and fourth. I think, honestly, if I'm speaking truthfully, I think stone is probably the fourth strongest in the game as far as strength, brawn, energy gain, power. Keeper would be third, then shifting memory would be second, and serpent would be first. If you approach me with volcano, maybe fifth. I think volcano is in that top five. Oh, sure. I think. And this is just my first impression. So then why do we never think of shifting memory as like, you know, high tier? I think it's because he's not consistent all the way up to that late game. Mm. Keeper is more consistent all the way up to that late game. Yes. Stone is consistent all the way up to the late game. And Serpent is Serpent strong. Serpent is consistent even yeah. with that late game. Sure, you have that whole gimmick of getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So this character can actually do more in the early game and late game than Serpent can, but not as much in the late game. So if you are a Serpent player and Serpent is your main, I think you might be able to play this character pretty well as far as a like gameplay-wise. Oh, for sure. The whole aspect of helping a friend. And then, yeah, starting utility and then becoming offensive powerhouse. Right, house. right. I think that is a similar gameplay trope with both Serpent and this character. Both of them help people. Both of them can defend. Both of them can reach a ridiculous late game standard. So I just wanted everyone out there, if you're not really cool with shifting memory, you don't think it's like a really powerful spirit, I can see why you might rank this character maybe a B tier or something like that on a tier list, and I agree with you. But I don't think I have to tell this to any of the veterans out there, but if you're a new player for the game, you should understand this character can be really scary in the late Mm. game. Really powerful. It is a bonafide strength the character has. I don't want to sell anyone short. So there you go. There was my solo game with Shifting Memory of Ages. It was documented, by the way. I took pictures, and if you're curious what specific effect those fear cards had on my board, what did my board look like? If you want to see more details of my game and physically see it with your own eyes, I documented this game, and it is on our Facebook. So you can go check it out there. So thus concludes our Jagged Earth miniseries. It's interesting to hear about like these big baddies and then we like sharp fangs and trickster yeah <laughs> it's like well, i can get three energy <laughs> like i said i like that mobility i like you said you high like card the, play and the steady eddie like yep from term one you're always doing something yep and always being effective yep. generating fear destroying mm-hmm. people yep so there you go next episode is an exciting one. Oh, i'm so pumped for this one i am really excited we're doing our very first community episode Woo! for episode 16 i can't wait to get into it and it's going to be all about the aspects. aspects. 
and which one truly is the best based on your opinions. So hopefully this is something that we can do more often in the future, but I'm super, 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 super truly excited to get to that one. So until next time, we're going to go and close this series out, close this episode out and get to work on producing that one right quick. So until next time, we will see you on the flippity flap. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kindred Spirit Podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. Feel free to visit us on our Instagram and Facebook page. You can find me on our Facebook page at the Kindred Spirit Podcast. To get a hold of John, check out our Instagram page at the KSP123. We look forward to hearing from you and seeing you in future episodes.